Hey, good morning, everyone. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be exceedingly glad in it. My name is Anthony Moore, and I serve as a senior pastor of Carolina Church located in Fort Washington, Maryland. And you happen to be on the prayer call line of um, Carolina Church, and we thank you for your presence on today and certainly you being a part of this audience. This is not delegated for partners and members of Carolina Church. This is for anybody who is alive, not just a part of the body of Christ, but anyone can join us on this prayer call. And I would like for you all to utilize your influence and invite persons to be a part, especially if what is being given to you is helpful in your own personal development. There are two questions that we have to ask you all, um, that we not only ask but also answer. And that question, uh, those questions are, number one, um, are you being discipled? is the first question that you're going to have to answer. And then secondly, who are you discipling? And so um, I do want to encourage you all to utilize your influence to bring along others that they too might be developed in their own growth and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to I want to deal with and start tackling you all this issue around a clear conscience. I want to talk about conscience, and really I'm dealing with the conscience versus convictions. Conscience versus convictions. Oftentimes we've heard persons talk about, you know, um, I have a clear conscience, or my conscience is clear. And I want to kind of tackle that from a biblical perspective and um, ask that you would take copious notes that we might be able to walk away after each one of these particular lessons or even devotionals around the very idea of conscience um, and um, conviction and how the two are, um, how they coexist. So the truth of the matter is, is uh, Pastor, how do I keep a clear conscience? How do I keep a, a clear conscience or even a good conscience for that matter? In the book of Acts, chapter um, 24, verse 16, it simply just says this in Acts 24, 16, I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. That's what it says in Acts 24:16. I strive always to keep my conscience clear um, before God and man. God made us in His in His image. He made us in His image. Genesis one verses um, verse twenty seven. He made us in His image, and verse. Genesis 1, verse 27, since so God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. So he made us in his image, which means we carry his traits within us. And one of those traits is the natural ability to recognize good and evil, right from wrong. Um, part of that whole idea of being created in his image. It's called the Imago Dei, the Imago 
day, Imago Day, made in his image, that whole concept carried with it the, the idea that within all of us, um, we have the natural ability to recognize good and evil, right and wrong. The world um, or, or the moral compass, the moral compass is the human conscience. That's what allows us to do it. It's the human um, conscience. That's our moral compass. It's a part of every human being from birth. Um, We had this moral compass that's inside of us. It's the human conscience. Um, We feel pleasure when when our words and our actions and thoughts conform to our value system. We feel guilt and shame or remorse when we go against it, when we go against it. Conscience um, gives us the ability to evaluate our own thoughts and desires to, to discern what's right and what's wrong and distinguish between what's good and what's best. Now, to help get a handle on conscience and how it functions, um, I want you to think about an alarm clock. A good alarm clock does two things. A good alarm clock does two things. A good alarm clock does um, um, two 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 specific things. One, it stays quiet when you should be asleep, and it makes noise when you need to wake up. A good alarm clock, you know, stays quiet when I ought to be asleep, but it ought to make some noise when it's time for me to get up. Well, that's really how your conscience is supposed to work. See, when you're on the right path, a good conscience will be at peace. According to Colossians 3.15, a good conscience will be at peace. According to Colossians 3.15, this is what it says in Colossians 3.15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. So so um, when you are on the right path, a good conscience will be at peace. But when you are tempted towards the wrong path, a good conscience will sound the alarm. The problem with the conscience is that like every other part of our body or our soul, it has been disordered by sin. It's, it's been impacted by sin. So like an alarm clock, conscience can malfunction and stay silent when it ought to go off. Now, in Titus chapter 1, verse 15, um, it says this, you all, in Titus 1, verse 15, to the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. That's Titus chapter 1, verse 15. So, so um, 
acting against your conscience will bring a change in your inner life. It'll change how your conscience functions. A, a corrupt conscience approves the wrong things. And an easy way to see this is to picture a teenager using drugs for the first time. He knows that drugs are addictive and destructive, and his conscience tells him that taking this is wrong. But his friends are encouraging him to try it. So he wants his friends to like him. So he overrides his conscience. In overruling conscience, that young man diminishes the conscience's power. The conscience becomes weakened. It is less sensitive and therefore less effective. So the next time, the decision to take the drug will be much easier. Because if that teenager repeats this choice again, the conscience begins to change. And so after a while, um, that individual, that teenager will feel that there is nothing wrong with what they are doing. The important point you all here that I'm trying to get you all to grasp here is that the conscience is corrupted whenever a person acts against it over time. When a person's conscience is corrupted over time, it then becomes seared into our minds. Now, let's let me hang here for a few more minutes. Just for a few more minutes, I want you all to get this now. Um, the, the whole idea of, of conscience. Now, the Greek word that's translated conscience in the New Testament is a word that's spelled. It's spelled S U N E I D E S I S. I'll spell it again for you. S U N E I D E S I S. And all it means, you all, is moral awareness. That's where we have the ability to self-evaluate, becoming um, aware of where we excel morally and where we struggle. Our conscience is a witness of our inner selves, charging us when we do wrong or are insincere towards others and satisfying us when we are morally aligned. Okay? Now, the Apostle Paul often refers to his conscience as being good or clear. That's how Paul refers to it, as being good or clear, okay, good or clear. So in Acts 23 and 1, um, Paul referred, and looking uh, intently at the council, Paul said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. So the Apostle Paul, he often referred to his conscience as being good or clear. In, um, in Acts 24, 16, he says this, So I always take pains to have a clear conscience towards both God and man. Okay? That's when in, in Acts 24, 16. In 1 Corinthians 4 and 4, he says this, he says, For I am not aware of anything against myself, but but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Whenever Paul did a self-evaluation, he found his words, his actions, and thoughts to be in line with his morals and values, which, of course, he had developed based on God's 
standard as laid out in his word. So having a good good conscience and a clear conscience verified the integrity of Paul's heart. It, it was about his heart. It, it, it verified his, his intentions and um, the integrity of his heart. 2 Corinthians 5 and 11 says, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuaded others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. That's 2 Corinthians 5 verse 11. So, so let me just do this, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll end here. Your conscience really shows your true colors. It shows your true colors. Your your conscience shows your true colors. See, each person's conscience reveals the strength of their true moral value system. Paul's conscience proved the maturity and integrity of his faith, how well informed his value system was, and how his sense of right and wrong was very strong. On the other hand, a weak conscience is evidence of an immature um an indefinite or skewed kind of moral value system. A weak conscience leads to feelings of um, guilt and shame and fear. Um, um, a, a weak conscience will lead to the feeling of guilt, rather. It leads to a feeling of guilt. That's what a weak conscience does. It leads you to a feeling of guilt, leads you to a feeling of shame and fear, often inconsistent, by the way, or unnecessary for the issues that you are being faced with. Now, as we mature in our faith, our conscience, however, grows stronger. So if a person has um, flatly refused to listen to God or change anything based on their internal moral conscience, um, the Bible calls that a seared conscience, a seared, S-E-A-R-E-D, a seared conscience. That is, their conscience has been burned into insensitive and a callous kind of scar tissue, no, no longer able to feel or discern any difference in anything. Um, someone with a seared conscience pays little or no attention to their moral compass. If my conscience becomes seared, I'm no longer giving way to my moral compass and feels free to do whatever I want to do to sin without remorse. Um, deluded into thinking, everything is a-okay with their souls. And you all, we have to admit that we're living in a day and time right now where consciences are literally being seared with person's own truth. I'm going to end here for right now. I'll end here. I'm going to pick this back up. I just want to kind of get you thinking about our conscience and how it plays into our moral compass and what it does in terms of governing our lives. If I could get you all to uh, help me today, I'm running a little behind time. I just please forgive me. Um, I want to ask you all to pray for Brother Larry Thomas um, um, while he's going through therapy, Jackie Thomas for healing from cancer and um, organ failure. We want to pray for Cassandra Roberts, um, healing of kidney stones, um, Petrina Washington, um, dealing with shingles. We're praying for Michelle Norman 
um, the niece of Deacon Ruby Dixon, who's on was on life support at Howard University Hospital. The Lord is moving, and they don't quite understand what God is doing. Repressing, requesting prayer for Teresa in Puerto Rico, um, who's having a procedure. Um, praying for Mother Bessie Pringle, um, Sister Mary Davis, whose spirit is very, very spunky. She's doing well. Deacon Evelyn Mack, we want to pray. Sister Martina Baxter for continued healing and um, great decisions according to God's kingdom. Um, Associate Pastor Talia White, we're praying. Uh, we're continually lifting up um, Velda Jones and Sister Gaylene Musgrove, believing God. Praying for Yvonne Jackson, Roger Jackson, and Camay and the transitioning of their loved one. Um, we're praying for Chantal Russell, um, who is having surgery on this week. We are lifting her in prayer. I'm praying for you also today. For those of you who are on this call, I'm lifting you in prayer. I'm praying for young people and um, for persons um, for Carolyn Waddy's sister, I lift in prayer. I lift in prayer on today. We're believing God for healing, even as persons are standing in need of prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray today that you would um, um, help us to see you more clearly. I pray today, God, that you would... Um, fine-tune our moral compass so that our conscience, God, represents you. Now, Lord, we wait with bated breath for you to show us how we can keep a clear and good conscience. We thank you for your Holy Spirit in advance and for the conviction in which your Holy Spirit gives unto us. Now, God, I do pray that um, you would bless our coming together and meet the needs of those persons who are on this call. I pray, God, that uh, you would make us vessels that are um, replica of who we were created in the image of. God, we thank you for creating us in the very image of you. Thank you, God, for for creating us in your image. Thank you for the Imago Day that you have created us in the very image. God, thank you for that. We we, we don't take it lightly that you thought enough of us to um, create us in your likeness. God, thank you. Thank you. Now, now Lord, we do want to ask that you come go with us today. Um, we dare not we dare not approach this day without invoking your presence. Come go with us, be with us as we travel um, the streets, the highways, and all of the fastness and furious um, driving we We ask you to come go with us in in the boardrooms where decisions are going to be made. come go with us we We ask you to go with us to our jobs today. come go with us when when we meet our family this morning i we need you to come go with us, change attitudes and hearts and minds and uh, and and dispositions God come go with us today we We need you to come 
go with us as we interact with um, neighbors and friends. Come go with us as we, in fact, um, make our way to the store, to the bank. God, come go with us. We, we don't want to do it without you. So today, in every activity that we are involved in, as we travel today, with tra- come go with us, God. And we need your traveling mercies. We need your mercies to be a part of us. Now, Lord, thank you for this day. And um, we, we, we love you, we, we adore you, we, we extol you, God, we exalt you. Um, in Jesus' name we pray, and all the people of God said amen. All right, you all, thank you for your time today. I've given you some principles that I'm hoping will spurn your thinking um, and uh, help us to um, grow even further. On your mark. Get set. Let's grow. I want you all to have a great day on purpose. Know that I love you all. God bless.